0: Would you please join me in welcoming Johnny Harbin? Well, that last story is a tough one to follow. I mean, I, I, I kept thinking how unlike the home life of our own dear Queen. You know, um, I want to start with. Um, Um, I want to start with showing you a logo. Look, everybody's going to be at the same place in the story, which is about pudding, I have to tell you. Um, Whether you're my age or younger, you might all recognize that. 1981, the British Telecom's logo. Okay, I'm going to come back to that, if I may. So the British Telecom logo. So that's my prop. So, I want to take you back to a very strange time. It's the early 80s, specifically 1984. I started my working life as a journalist, but I got involved in politics. And one of the things I was asked to do in the early 80s by the people I was working with was to be part of a group that talked to treasury mandarins. Can I all just check treasury mandarins? Sir Humphrey. Civil service, specifically the Treasury. Margaret Thatcher has announced, after her resounding 1979 poll victory, that what she's going to do is sell to the British public things that they already own. And first up is British Telecom. Now British Telecom is a strange animal. On the one side of it is the GPO, what's now the Royal Mail, on the other side of it is telecommunications. In those days, most of us, I think, I certainly did at my house, had one phone, it was a landline, and it was in the hall, on a hall table. And if the phone rang during supper or while you're watching something on telly, you went to the hall to answer the telephone. I mean, this is another world, okay? Uh, Number one and number two in the particular pudding story I wanted to tell you was Frankie Goes to Hollywood number one and number two in the top ten, but Agadou is coming up fast underneath. <laughs> We've started to watch Fraggle Rock, that's just come on, and with the kids, they, my children were 10 and eight and six, we love Fraggle Rock, and also for adults, Prisoner from Cell Block H had just started, and that was causing quite a stir. Now, I'm in the business of politics, I'm like a proto spin doctor. In 1981, for reasons I won't go into because that's not part of my pudding story, I had helped launch the SDP, had a reputation, and the Treasury Mandarins had a problem. They were being asked by Margaret Thatcher to sell this vast organisation which the British public already owned. Five million shareholders was the target. Maggie wanted a shareholding democracy. Do you remember equity only, the, the homeowning democracy? Now she wanted sharing democracy. Now, I was in the city. Now, these are pre-Big Bang days. You probably don't even remember Big Bang, 1986, when everything went liberated and everybody could trade and sell and deal. This is before those days. The whole world of money is run by ancient English, mostly, some American, some French, banks, brokers, auditors, stockbrokers, accountants, And they are a vast pool of people who, at the very top, share a number of characteristics. It's helpful to be at the same school, to have gone to Oxford or Cambridge. The whole of the city was terribly neatly segregated. I had as a job to go in and tell the Mandarins of the Treasury that if you want to flog 500 million bits of anything, You're going to need a bit of vox pop. You're going to need to be a little bit down with the kids. Not an expression we used in those days, I hasten to add. So, one of the elements, there were a number of elements to the share sale, as it was called. It was all complete bloody nonsense, because actually the British public were being offered 500 free shares, so they weren't actually going to balk at getting shares in British Telecom, whatever you did. Years later, we did... British Gas, we had a stupid thing called Tell Sid. Anybody remember Tell Sid? Yeah. Similar situation. I'm in the Treasury with the Mandarins, and I say, with British Telecom, you're selling something that is actually completely strange to people to buy a share. I mean, most people didn't own shares, tiny proportion of people own shares. How are you going to sell five million of the buggers? One of the elements, one of the elements was to take a train, a specially equipped uh, British Rail train, called an exhibition train, around 17 cities in five weeks between the 31st of May and the 11th of July, 1984. And the job there was to go into all these cities and bring people onto the exhibition train who were brokers and bankers. and. Local people like Barrett's here and Stanley's and people all over the the country. A very strange thing happened. There had to be on this exhibition train to sell the idea of selling shares on to these local stockbrokers. There had to be a collection of bigwigs. There were BT engineers, BT board members. There were people from Kleinwort Benson, the bank that was running the whole offer. There were accountants, there were of course solicitors, there were solicitors to solicitors. And all the way through this curious little phase of time, 31st of May to the 11th of July, this disparate group of bigwigs had to assemble in Exeter or Birmingham or London, didn't matter where, to board the train. And they invited everybody to come on board, they showed them a little film, everybody had a few cannips and depending on the time of day they had a cup of tea. And it was wonderful. They came on board. They bought the whole idea of buying British Telecom and selling it on to their customers, and we had a great success on our hands. Now, I was only 30-odd, and these chaps, and they were chaps, were 50-plus. Some of them were a bit embarrassed by being on the train, because if they were being sent by their organization to do this train trip in ahead of the sale, it meant that they weren't so important, they weren't needed back at the office. We'll sort of get rid of him for this little period while he does his thing. And other people were on the way out. They were clearly on the train because actually nobody wanted them at the office. But seriously, there were some heavy hitters there. I mean, you know, the chairman of Clymore Benson senior treasury people, and it was amazing. We would turn up at a particular city, we'd stay the night, the best hotel. I mean, who's paying the British public? Let's have the best. We're about to sell them something they already own. Let's give them the best. This little period of time went on and we bonded we told Joan Collins jokes. Now, it's after nine. I'm not going to repeat a Joan Collins joke, but it was basically about, you know, Eiffel Tower and Kit Kats. You you probably get the picture. Anyway, (laughs) perhaps not. I'm not going to tell a Joan Collins joke, I promise. So, over this period, we've been rushing in and out of London to these strange places where we boarded the train. We were actually in Norwich one night. That was classic. I don't know, the Queen used to to be said that the Queen thought coal was white because when she visited the colliery, they'd whitewash all the coal, so as she went into the entrance to the colliery, it would all be white, so she thought coal was white. At Norwich Station, when the exhibition train pulled in just before platform one, they had asphalted all the embankment, they painted everything, and there was the train in all its glory. And I was sitting with the finance director of British Telecom, a lovely guy called Doug, and we were both puffing away. In those days, you smoked in the train, you smoked everywhere. And we had no ashtrays, and we flicked our fags out the window, and they landed on this newly laid asphalt and caught fire. And the, the thing was, in those days, if a station caught fire, it rang real emergency bells, and people really were worried. And three engines turned up, and we sort of shuffled to the background. So the train was a great thing, and we would meet up on all these 17 occasions at the hotel and we'd have supper together, people got very close and we would start telling each other stuff that we wouldn't normally tell people. And we would bond over ridiculous things. And the last night was Oxford. And I had found, it was my turn to book the restaurant, and I had a sort of marketing vibe about me. I was the one who was talking to the Treasury about these absurd campaigns. And the guy who'd launched the scp He's the guy with the ideas. And I found this chef called Raymond Blanc had just opened a restaurant outside Oxford called Le Manoir aux Quatre Saison. Today, it's famous for being the most expensive restaurant in England. We had dinner there on the last night of the last trip of the train. It had pulled into Oxford. We'd seen the last of the brokers. We were all staying locally, and we turned up at Le Manoir aux Quatre Saisons and had the most fantastic dinner. It was such a lovely July evening, we were outside in the open air. Raymond Blanc was at the top of his game, and the food was fantastic. The wines were gorgeous. And what we were all waiting for was that moment when pudding arrives. The mains have been cleared. You may have lit, even lit a cigar. You've ordered your pudding. You've even ordered a sticky. You know, do you want a brandy? Do you want a Cointreau? And it's that lovely moment when you're waiting for the pud. And Doug, the finance director, turned to me. And on a napkin, he drew this logo. And he said, do you know, it's awkward, isn't it? When the phone breaks down and you have to get the engineer in, he fools around with the box pinned to the skirting board by the front door. And it's never one engineer. It's always more than one. There's one that follows and one after that. The engineers themselves carried a roll of these logos on stickers, a little roll and they would stick it to the junction box as a message to their successive colleague. And if it was that way around, it meant that the job was a little cock-up. If it was that way around, it was a big cock-up. And if it was that way around, it was a complete bulls-up. <laughs> and then pudding arrived. And it, the pudding was le I'd never seen that on a menu before. Pud, sweet, dessert, afters. We've done the roll call tonight but le lait. and what it was was Raymond Blanc's take on his mother, his French mother's rice pudding. It was astonishingly good, with little plates of treacled apricot and treacled peach that you mixed into this extraordinary rice pudding, and under the stars, with these men all much older than me, I realized here we are in the Cotswolds, and way before its time, there's a sort of Brokeback Mountain vibe going on here, if that's not inappropriate to the Cotswolds. And it was just a lovely evening, but recalled and focused on that pudding and the complete balls up of that logo. Isn't that lovely? Thank you. Johnny Harbin. Thank